What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen. I'm one of your hosts. Um, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Uh, Locker Room is changing the way we talk about sports. Download the app on the App Store for all iOS devices. Locker Room changing the way we talk about sports. So today for this episode, going to do something a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I talked about this in my first episode. And I tweeted about this earlier this weekend, if you follow me, but I want to make sure, you know, you're getting all the scouting reports possible. I've seen too many players this year to leave some guys untapped, I guess, and not post a scouting report. So whether or not I get them all via text, online, on Mavstraft.com or, you know, elsewhere, I want to make sure that you're able to be able to learn about as many of the prospects as possible. So I'm going to do some audio scouting reports to go along with these two. So the first player who I've done an audio or excuse me, a regular scouting report for is Trey Mann. Uh, so I'm going to do, give you a little scouting report on him and then dive into uh, a couple, the, basically the Texas guys and just rank them and tell you how I see them. I think there's about five prospects on that team. They're a pretty stacked team. So I'm going to go into that and see why, you know, I'm high on some of those guys and low on the others because they're, there's a lot of draft potential uh, among the five of them. So let's get started with Trey Mann. He is a 6'5 guard who weighs 190 uh, pounds. He's out of University of Florida. This year, he averaged 16 points per game, a little over five and a half rebounds per game, 3.5 assists per game, a steal and a half per game, and just under three turnovers per game. And he shot 46% from the field. 40% from three and 83% from the free throw line. So immediately you can tell he's got the scoring potential, you know, high free throw percentage indicates good shooting upside. Plus he shot 40% from three, which is really solid. I think the most impressive thing about him is it's not a lot of guys who get those numbers are just taking simple shots, you know, it's spot up shots. They're getting them off ball, but that's just not the case with Trey Mann. I mean, he's, I put in the scouting report, he's an electric shot creator with good size and length for a modern guard, uh, and he fits this modern NBA really well. He can run a pick and roll, absolutely abuse his defenses off screens. That's far and away where he is at his best, which could be a little bit of a concern, you could say, for him saying that you know he can't operate without a screen. I don't necessarily agree with that. I also think that in an NBA where pick and roll is far and away the most common set, uh, it's really not a downside. I don't, I don't really see that as a knock necessarily could be a limitation, but I don't see it as a negative that he can't create one-on-one cause that's simply not true. Uh, so one thing to know about Trey Mann is that, you know, last year he really struggled as a freshman, but this year he went up against some of the best guards, in my opinion, defensively, um, including Scotty Pippen Jr. At Vanderbilt. He is an absolute menace. He went up against Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson at Tennessee. It's just, it was a strong guard conference this year and he dominated um he just simply got to his spots whenever he wanted to and however he wanted to so for him the main selling points obviously the scoring is there but how does he score you know he's an outstanding shot creator really gets to his spots like i said he can beat you whether it's stopping on a dime he has a sick jab step he has an amazing step back move he just he has incredible handles that he knows how to just throw defenders off balance and even when it doesn't look like a deceiving move he's still fooling defenders so things like that are why i'm so high on him i think he's the best shot creator in the class overall for himself um but there is a con to this area which is he's not really a creator for others you know only average 
little three and a half assists per game. That's pretty poor for a lead guard. Obviously, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Assists are not the only way to judge a playmaker. It's a two-person stat. If you find a lot of open shooters, you're not going to get all the open shots made, especially in college basketball where the talent just isn't as strong as the NBA. So I think things like that, you'll see him get around five assists in the NBA is my projection. I don't think it's going to stand out one way or another, but he's also not Colin Sexton where he's just scoring for himself, you know, that kind of player. But he's going to be able to get get others involved. It's not really a worry. Uh, and last thing related to the shot, just going back on that because I missed something, but his footwork is insane. He will cross you up and have his feet perfectly set in a second. He does. He has incredible foot speed, and that applies to both ends. Um, and I, I really just think he has a complete offensive, at least self-creation arsenal. Uh, so kind of going into defense, I'll address the elephant in the room. His defense won't be good. He's really good at playing the passing lanes. I think he has long arms. I'm excited to see his uh, combine measurements. I, I would expect him to be at least plus two or three. Looks like he has a six eight wingspan. Um, he is just if you get him in traps, you're giving whoever the ball handler is absolute just chaos. Um, you know he's again the length that six five is pretty tough, especially if it's against another guard. So I think that's pretty helpful, and he knows the game really well. You can tell, especially just by how he rotates on defense and how he handles traps uh, on defense. So the one other thing that helps him is that he has really good foot speed. You know, he doesn't lack lateral quickness by any means. He can stay with people on the drive. The issue for him is that he can just be bullied so easily. And a little bit off ball, he can lose focus. Um, I just, I don't think he's going to be much of a defender in the NBA. You just hope he's not negative, right? So that's my stance with him. Um, For the next area, I mean, athletically, he didn't dunk in college. I don't think even once. He's just a strictly below-the-rim player, which uh, one of my main selling points with him, obviously I talked a lot about his scoring, is his ability to finish is going to be completely – that's a huge swing skill for him. I have him as a three-level scorer because he shot almost 60% at the rim, which is really good for a guard who doesn't dunk. Um, For reference, I mean, the best I've ever seen for a player who doesn't dunk – is Mason Jones last year. He shot 75% at the rim, which is an extreme outlier. But generally, if you're a guard who shoots 60% at the rim, you're a good finisher. There's a, you know, there's a little, there's signs there with that. So I think he's acrobatic enough. He has a lot of moves that he, he has a bag. I mean, he's a textbook. He has a bag guy. And I think it'll help him finish in the NBA. Again, against contact, I kind of worry because of that strength that I talked about on the defensive end, kind of hurting him. Um, but I think overall, you know, I, I've talked about his shooting. That's going to be both mid-range and three-point level scoring. The finishing is a swing skill, and that comes down to his athleticism where he's quick, but he's not a vertical athlete. So I, I do want to know how he gets uh, to score that way because he has other ways to score. You know, he has a floater. He has a runner that he uses really well on, on the drive, um, and he has some crazy finishes where he can just use his length to his advantage because – a lot of people, you know, length is talked about on the defensive end for being able to defend guys, but what people don't realize is how important it is offensively having that ability just to finish over defenders. Um, I've learned this just simply. I, I have very long arms myself, and I'm not trying to compare myself to an NBA player. Like, do not take that this way. But having long arms is a helpful tool. You know, I mean, just simply in a simple environment, you can tell by the fact if you're extending your arm, the longer they are, the better it is to finish at the rim, right? So. Things like that, I think, uh, I think help him offensively. Again, just defensively, the lack of athleticism really hurts him. That's 
pretty much what you have to know is he's not going to be a great athlete, not going to be much of a defender, but he will get buckets and he will get others involved while getting his buckets. Um, now, the area that I could be wrong on him on is I have him as a starting guard with another guard in the lineup. I think he mostly ran a, um, you know, a two guard lineup with Noah Locke out there at Florida, who was kind of a combo guard. Uh, but I think he should be best used with a pure guard in the NBA, which most NBA teams run two guard lineups. Now it's not really weird anymore. Five years ago, it kind of was. There were only a few teams doing it, but now just about everyone can run that lineup. So that really helps Trey Mann. So for me, I have him ranked currently at the time of this recording on April 13th. I have him 10th on my board. I think he's the fourth best uh, guard, I believe, fourth or fifth best. Uh, yeah, I have him fourth right now behind James Book Knight in the class. I, I think he's just got such an translatable game that it's hard to turn him down. And if you get him in the end of the lottery, you're getting pretty good value. I think at the worst, he's a Jordan Clarkson who is uh, – and that's a, not a comparison, just that role – um, someone who I see, I guess I could use as a better name would be like Lou will, who's like a little bit more of a combo guard can pass better than Clarkson, uh, but really just knows how to use his lack of athleticism to his strength and can score and create space, uh, off the bench. That could be a really good role for him. And I think that would be a top 10 return. However, I do think he has more upside than a guy like that. Uh, theoretically, granted Lou will is a great player. And if you had that career, that'd be really nice. But other players I see him similar to. Are, I'm going to start high and just go lower. So Lou Will, uh, Devontae Graham, and Luke Kennard, and then Tyrell Terry. Tyrell Terry is a little bit hard to compare someone to as a rookie who has barely touched the NBA court. Um, it's been a weird situation, but overall as prospects, they're very similar. High IQ, good creators, range. Granted, Tyrell Terry had a little bit better shooting numbers, had an absurd 89% from the free throw line, shot 40% as well. But I think if you like Tyrell Terry, it's very hard not to like Trey Mann. So, and I wasn't big on Terry. So I, I think Trey Mann's a guy that you have to almost buy into if you believe in that kind of creation ability. Uh, for the draft range, I see him going about 11th to 20th. I can see him basically post-lotto to end of lottery. Um, I, I think there's a lot of potential for, depending on what team's there. Some of the fits I see, I, I wrote down five teams that I see as the best fits. Memphis needs a backup guard. Uh, I don't think Tyus Jones just does it as much. Having someone maybe next to him would emphasize some of his skills. Indiana really needs a guard. I think, you know, especially one that can consistently shoot because Aaron Holiday has come along, but TJ McConnell just doesn't shoot. And that's as a backup, of course, with Brogdon starting and being able to shoot. Potentially Boston, that was a weird one to write, but because Peyton Pritchard's been good, but that could be just, I mean, universally a good fit. New York needs a guard, so I wrote that. Uh, and then Golden State, who I think needs someone behind Steph Curry, who actually has, you know, just a great way to back him up. I think that's a, you know, the shooting ability, the creation. So I think that's really helpful, basically. And then the last part of this is uh, I wrote for an expected NBA role, he would be what I expect and if he hits, having him 10th overall. You know, he's a starting caliber NBA guard, plays 25, give or take five minutes, has great pick and roll prowess has a great creation and really deep NBA range that just spaces the floor. I don't see him ever being unplayable. I think the jump shot is jump shot and finishing are just going to determine how high his ceiling are. Um, is, excuse me is, but if he's shooting the ball, well, the finishing may not matter. We've seen that with guys like Devonte Graham, that you can still be very good even without being able to finish at the rim. 
Uh, if he is shooting well above 40% and doesn't struggle with turnovers and finishes in the NBA, you get easy top 10 return. And that's how he exceeds just natural expectations, in my opinion. When I come back, I'm going to talk about the Texas players, and I hope you enjoyed this Trey Mann scouting report uh, audible version. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I host rooms on Locked, in, locked On NBA Draft once a week, um, sometimes twice a week on usually uh, Wednesdays or Thursdays afternoons. Um, just talk NBA Draft so you can join in the conversation. So go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to be create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whichever sports group you want uh, for the latest league updates. Uh, follow me at Mavs Draft to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and pretty easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices on rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on, and that's two words, L-O-C-K-E-D space O-N, on their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back uh, to Locked On NBA Draft. Uh, changing gears a little bit from Trey Mann of Florida to University of Texas. Just going to spend the next two segments just kind of breaking those guys down. Of course, just prefacing this with the number one prospect from Texas, uh, Kai Jones. My guy Jared Katz and I, we did a great scouting report on him uh, a week or two ago. That's a must listen if you haven't heard it already. So go ahead and give that a listen if you want to hear Kai Jones. I'm just going to spend a little bit of time on him. I'm not going to go too deep just because we've already done that. Um, But if you're wondering about Kai Jones and haven't heard that episode and just want a quick rundown uh, before doing so, Kai Jones... The selling points on him, he can guard probably two through five. He's an, he's a unicorn candidate, really. Great athlete, seven foot, just about 6'11", long arms, can shoot the ball, guards, again, almost anybody on the court, can sit in a stance and defend multiple positions and not get blown by. So not a liability on there. You can jab step threes. Growing as a shooter, amazing athlete, but he still needs to learn the game a little bit more and improve, you know, team defense, positioning, rotations, things like that, and also his jump shot base. So those are things that I think he can work on, kind of needs to put the ball on the floor, learn to do that a little bit more. But even if he doesn't do that, I think he's still a pretty high ceiling player. Um, But he's far and away the number one Texas ranked player. Again, at the day of recording this on April 13th, I have Kai Jones 15th on my board. 
I think that's pretty good for the power forward center combo. That's got unbelievable upside, and I think it's very attainable. So the next player I want to talk about, and I'm going just in order of where I have these players ranked on my board. So uh, I'm actually just going to list it, make it a little bit easier for you. So at the top, I have Kai Jones. At number two, I have a pretty surprising name. I have Jericho Sims, number two. Then Greg Brown, then Matt Coleman, and then Courtney Ramey. So uh, just as a heads up, that's the order I'm going in here. Obviously, I already did Kai Jones, but up next is Jericho Sims. Jericho Sims is uh, one of my favorite absolute favorite undrafted, likely undrafted guys. It's very unfortunate because factually speaking, he's just not going to get drafted. It is what it is. Uh, but if it was up to me, I guess, if that makes sense, differentiating my opinion on what should happen, I have him top 60. I think someone like him has a role. I've seen too many Mavs games where Dwight Powell, uh, who as polarizing as he is for the Mavs fan base, has really just separated the Mavs offensively as a pick and roll man. And then you add to that what Jericho Sims does on the defensive end. He brings a lot of value on that end. So for the year, Jericho Sims, a uh, four-year player at Texas, uh, took one three. And I think it was as a freshman, I believe it was a heave. So it doesn't even count. Um, for the year, he averaged, and this is pretty consistent with what he did last year. And mind you, he's playing with a big man uh, just about every other every single year. I think he played with a top big man in the um in the draft, except last year, if I'm not mistaken, um, because in 2017-18, he had Mo Bamba, he had 2018-19, Jackson Hayes. Last year, I don't think there was any, uh, just young Kai Jones. And this year, it was Kai Jones, the lottery prospect. So that's three lottery prospects he's had to play next to. So my, take that into account when you hear these stats. But nine points a game on just about 70% shooting. He had 69.6 uh, field goal percentage. Shot 52% from the line. Again, no threes. Seven rebounds a game. He had about two offensive rebounds this year, three last year per game. Um, and the seven is down from eight last year. Again, I think that has to do with uh, the fact that Kai Jones is improving. And Greg Brown, who's also in the front court with him, uh, averaged under an assist a game every single year. Best he got was .8 last year. Just about a, over half a steal this year. And then the last two years, he's had a block per game and then a turnover and a half per game. So the stats don't tell a lot there. It's not exactly the most promising case. So I get why I'm on an uphill battle on this. But uh, one thing I really like is just, I mean, his defense is so special. He's he's able to switch kind of like Kai Jones. Um, and I think in the modern NBA, you just kind of need that as a big, right? You know, we see how many players can get played off the floor. Although it hasn't happened recently, I feel like in the playoffs, it can happen pretty easily. Big men are very quick to, they're vulnerable, you know? Um so I think being able to guard pretty much, he can guard probably twos to fives. I mean, it's some twos is pretty, pretty uh, generous, but I think he can guard a lot of players and he's not a liability, which is a huge plus just not to be a liability. So he moves his feet well and he's a great athlete, which plays into his offensive strength. He's an outstanding pick and roll big man, great length. Even though he's like 6'9", 6'10", he's undersized. He has the length to make up for it. Great athlete. I've seen him from a standstill take off from halfway between the free throw line and the restricted area and dunk over players. So I, I really like what he brings to the table. And if you put him on a winning team, I mean, just hometown thinking here, if you put him next to Luka Doncic after Dwight Powell has been down on the after the Achilles injury last January, I think if you put Jericho Sims here, you see an immediate uh, value. I mean, he's going to defend, which is something Dwight Powell just simply can't do. Never really was able to before. He can rebound a little bit better. And, 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 you know, I talked about this on Locked on Thunder today as well. 
rebounding translates. There's no other skill that translates better. He's a good rebounder. So, and then you factor in the fact that he finishes so well, shot just about 70% on mostly finishes. And the, my absolute favorite thing about that is I was looking at his synergy profile and his most common play was a post-up. It was also his absolute worst. He finished in the seventh percentile of the entire country and uh, in just points per possession and efficiency. And you're probably wondering why that's my favorite, but he'll never do that once in the NBA. He was in the 90th percentile, I believe, some something close to that, 97th, I think, um, in pick and roll, big man, you know, roll man, excuse me. And that's what he's going to do. So when you look at what he's not going to do, hurting his field goal percentage, I can't imagine this guy's not an energy big at the very worst. So I have him, I think I have him 59th, 60th. Um, that's subject to change. That's not really something set in stone that deep on the board, especially before the combine. So take that a little bit with a grain of salt. But I really do like what he brings. You know, just he does so much. He can pass a little bit to cutters if he sees them. It's not, he's never going to make an advanced read, but he's also just not a liability. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths you can have as a big man. It's just no fatal flaw to your game, except maybe the fact that he can't shoot that might play him off some situations, but it's not going to make him unplayable, if that makes sense. So when I get back, I'm going to round out the other three Texas prospects, Matt Coleman, Greg Brown, and Courtney Ramey. Um, but first, just going to do a little commercial break, and then we'll get right back to it. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports actions. So football might be over, but the NBA and the NHL are in full swing. Uh, you know, just the Masters just happened as well. BetOnline. .ag even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV, and has real-time up, real updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Uh, so head to the website and use or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get your 50% uh, welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so uh, returning back to the Texas players on Locked On NBA Draft. The next one on my board is Greg Brown. I know it's a little bit controversial. Uh, I don't even have him top 60 personally, so you can kind of start guess where this conversation is going. And I want to preface this with saying I really don't have anything against raw prospects as long as they show flashes. But with Greg Brown, it's just the flashes haven't been there. And I want to believe in him. I know he's an unbelievable athlete, really good at finishing at the rim. But I just really have worries and reservations, I guess, about just simply how he plays in the NBA. He, he gets lost very easily. Um, just overall feel just it seems like he doesn't he's new to basketball and it kind of shows, which is it, it can be a good thing to be that raw, especially when you're six, eight, six, nine, 200 pounds when you still have your body to fill out as well. But there's some very serious red flags here. The the chances of him overcoming this uphill battle are slim, to my in my opinion. So some of his stats, he's at nine nine points per game on 42% shooting. Mind you, he's 6'9", uh, 33% from the three. Promising area here is 71% from the free throw line, so it's not a, a busted area, even though the shot does have some room to grow. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Six rebounds a game, a little under half an assist a game. Uh, half a steal per game, one block per game, two turnovers per game, and three fouls per game. And this is in 20 minutes. So he um, has to get out of foul trouble, first of all. Let's just address that, right? Um, but he, that being said, he is a good defender, and a lot of it is athleticism-based. He knows how to mirror his man. 
so he can lock guys up. That's probably going to be his best calling card early in his career. Uh, is his defense is just physically based, right? So, and a lot of guys are like that in the NBA. It's not a knock. Uh, that's just kind of what it is. And as he learns to uh, just be more physically dominant than other players, he's going to do really well. Um, now, the one other thing, and the stat that supports this is he has the best defensive rating on the team at 91 and a half. Really impressive. That's pretty pretty dang good. That's almost elite. Uh, so again, defense is a strength for him day one, right? Uh, but I wanted to get to the shot that I had hinted at, you know, 71% from the free throw line, 33% from three. The numbers actually, that's not terrible. That's almost similar to Jaden McDaniels last year, uh, which might end up being his best case scenario. I mean, Jaden McDaniels was seen as raw and he's been a really good player. He might be an all rookie player, even um, great defender day one, even being skinny. So there's a lot of hope on that front. I, however, just the difference between them is that their shots will look, their form is a lot different, right? Greg Brown has quick feet on his form, uh, on his shot, excuse me. But the release is a little bit wonky at the top. So the bottom's good, the top needs work. Touches kind of there, free throw percentage shows that it's kind of there. 71% is a kind of number on that. And uh, I, I just, I think that's something that if he doesn't develop that three-point shot, it's over for him. Like he's not going to be in the NBA very long, which is unfortunate because he's incredibly talented. He's a raw talent. Um, the other warning flag I have on him, though, for feel for the game, this is a very obvious one, is for every one assist he had, he had six turnovers. It was very rare to see him get an assist. Uh, he put his head down a lot, both as a slasher and a playmaker. If that makes sense, he draw, drew a lot of uh, offensive fouls because of this. That's what a lot of the turnovers were. He also just misread defenses pretty often, honestly. I mean, 60 turnovers to 10 assists, that's not a good ratio. That's an incredible red flag. Um, that's that's my worry with him. You know, he can get to the rim, but at what cost? You know, he's not smart with how he takes his shots at the rim, which is a big warning sign for me who, for a guy who's considered a finisher and makes his game off slashing, right? So uh, that's my reservation with Greg Brown. It's just all of, there's a lot of statistical flags. And I think on the eye test, it reflects it too. So again, the athleticism is calling card. Same with defense, uh, jump shot and feel for the game uh, are going to be needed to be improved. So the next prospect is Matt Coleman. He's a 6'2", 180 guard, uh, four-year player again, left-hand dominant. Um, just going to start that off right away. The stats, he averaged 13 points a game, four assists, three and a half rebounds, one steal, uh, barely had any blocks in college, not a knock. I mean, he's a point guard. Two and a half turnovers per game on 48 and a half percent. That was a career best. 37% from three and 81% from the line. So the first thing to know about Matt Coleman is his first two years in college, the man could not shoot. He shot 28% and 32% from three. Last year, he shot 39 and a half and 37% this year. And that's with those two numbers are from the deepened uh, three-point line where it's a little bit deeper than the years before. So that's really impressive. Made a lot of strides on that front. Um, the thing is for him that really holds him back is he's not, he's a mild athlete, which is good. He's very quick, but he's predictable with his left hand and it negates a lot of that. He is very left hand dominant. He is hesitant to use his right hand, both as a ball handler or as a finisher. Um, so teams know if they can force him right, they can beat him. So that's a worry for me on his jump shot. Uh, I really don't have any reservations. That's a little bit low and being six, two, that's kind of a flag, but he, has just improved it so much as a shooter, just in every single way. He can shoot off the dribble now, be, whereas before maybe he was a spot-up guy, but now he's both. Um, 
but his offhand is a little bit wonky. He really stretches it out kind of like Courtney Lee, if you know what his form looks like off the top of your head. I know it's a bit obscure, um, but he's a great, great basketball mind. And he has a really good motor. Uh, I think at the least you're going to see him in the G League next year and have a chance as a two-way player. He's quick defensively, really great instincts, has good hands. I think he has long arms too. I, I'm interested to see his combine numbers. And he forces a lot of turnovers. So he's that defensive playmaker that you've probably heard me talk a lot about. Uh, so there's a lot of hope with him as a two-way guy. I think he just needs to kind of prove that he can use his right hand and play in quick offense because he's hesitant to run transition. Um, so, but for him, he's ranked in the 70s for me currently. Again, these rankings aren't exactly the most um, valuable thing at this moment before a combine, but I have him in the 70s, 80s range is, is generally where I put him right now. And lastly, uh, Courtney Ramey, he's a 6'3 guard. He's someone who I've seen pop up on ESPN boards. I personally, uh, and he's 185 pounds as well, I personally don't see him really as much of an NBA prospect just because of the size, the role, the production. Um, for the year, he averaged 12 points a game. Had some big shots, though, for that Texas team. Four assists per game, three rebounds per game, one steal, two and a half turnovers. So, um, and that was on 38% from the field, 30, uh, excuse me, 41% from three. And most of his, almost half his shots were from the three. Um, and he shot 83% from the line. So shooting is there. Shot selection is a big issue for him. That's, that's far and away. My biggest concern is, is he a chucker? Um, and what is his offensive role? I guess those, those are two concerns I have, and I don't really think he stands out defensively. So I don't, I'm not very confident in him, and I, I don't mean to bash him on this because he has a lot of raw talent. I just don't know what he necessarily brings to an NBA team, if that makes sense. There's a lot of games where he can just – he plays into the hands of the defenses, um, decent athlete, but doesn't really stand out in any area for me enough to really consider him being drafted. But I wanted to put him on here uh, just because I think, you know, when ESPN puts someone on the boards, they get attention, and rightfully so. So – I don't, again, mean to bash him, or I hope this didn't come across as that with any of these players, but I I just think, uh, you know, there's just slightly, I, I don't know if he really ever cracks beyond the G League is my projection for him, so I, I wouldn't really focus too much draft time on him, uh, and I don't know if he's even, I don't think he's declared either, so not not a ton to worry about on that front. But I wanted to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I know this one was uh, a tad long, and I apologize for that. But it was a hopefully fun one. Again, I want to just create all these scouting reports so you can just pull up the episode if you're just listening to, you know, on your way to work and you want to hear about a prospect as the draft approaches, you'll have this library on demand. So thank you guys listening to Locked On NBA Draft. Be sure to leave five-star review for us wherever you get your podcasts. And I will see you all next Tuesday. Tomorrow is Cody and Sam on the Draft Dummies. And Thursday, you got Raphael again uh, on his episode. So Take care and go ahead and subscribe to them as well.